it's probably uh, pretty impossible for most of you to miss the fact that they've been working on 77, right? It's pretty impossible to miss that because most of us go somewhere on Interstate 77. Do you realize the money and the energy and the motor graders and the bulldozers and all the other pieces of equipment and all the men and women and all the planners that have been involved in creating that highway? It is an important metaphor for us because... This morning, we read from Matthew chapter 3 about John the Baptist, who's preparing the way. Motor graders, bulldozers, staying up all night, preparing the way for the Lord. It would seem to me um, that we should not miss the fact that God is preparing the way for a new pastor in this church. And uh, we keep praying for our pastor nominating committee. There is a new day coming for Meadow Lake Presbyterian Church. And none of us know what that is. But the words of John the Baptist reflect the steadfast love of God and the grace of God and the wisdom of God that prepare us in ways uh, far more than we can possibly understand. This morning, once again, we turn to the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, Many scholars believe that Matthew was writing for for the Jewish community to seek to convince them that indeed Jesus of Nazareth, whom they knew or they knew of, is the Messiah. And he was, he was seeking to address them so that they would experience a change that matters. And so the change that, that uh, Matthew prayed for and worked for in creating this gospel was he wanted to win over the Jewish community to Jesus Christ so that they would understand that indeed he is the Christ, the Messiah. Not just Jesus of Nazareth, but the Christ, the Messiah of the world, of the Old Testament. This morning, um, many of us, maybe most of us, believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, But there are other changes that matter in our lives. And it would occur to me that it's appropriate that on the second Sunday in Advent, we turn again to John the Baptist and wonder, what are the changes that matter for us? Now, you've mentioned all kinds of people in praying for different folks. Um, Michelle praying for her dad over the loss of his brother, the the situation with his brother and what is going to come. There are preparations that that her family has to make for that, just as there are preparations for all these people that you named. And, um, but there is a a grand and glorious preparation for the coming of our Lord and Savior. And and this this Christmas tree reflects that. And we will gather here on Christmas Eve to celebrate the Savior who comes to us, who has come to us already as a child in Bethlehem and has come to us in faith, and yet will come to us yet again in all kinds of ways. That's what Advent assumes, that we worship a God who is with us, and Jesus will come to us again and again and again, and we need that. 
And so this morning, let us turn to Matthew chapter 3 and, and wonder what are the changes that matter in our lives. The word of the Lord. In those days, John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness of Judea, proclaiming, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke when he said, The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. And then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him, and all the region along the Jordan, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers! Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. And even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. And every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. John the Baptist offers a strange and vital testimony, critically important for Medalite just now. Now, you may know. One of the things that makes, makes him strange is that um, to this day, there is a group called Mandaeans, and there are some 60 to 70,000 Mandaeans in this world, and they are a cult that still worships, still reveres John the Baptist. They also revere Adam and Abel and Seth and Noah and Shem. They're Semites. They speak a language kin to the ancient language of Aramaic. And for years and years, they were in southern Iraq and northern Iran. And because of the U.S. invasion of Iraq and because of the fighting, the number of Mandaeans has been reduced to some 5,000. I just find it on the second Sunday in Advent a bit strange that there's still people who are following in this world of today, John the Baptist of all people. They're mundaneans. But John the Baptist, I said, offers strange testimony. Here he is speaking to us again from his pulpit waist deep in water. He is the ultimate outsider, calling Israel to turn from their sin in light of God's kingdom. And he's doing something that is so important that according to Matthew, all of Jerusalem and all of Judea go out to hear him. They're tired of stuffy rabbis who wear robes like I do, tired of sitting in their synagogues, and so they make the journey down the Jericho Road, also probably the Jordan River Road, to get to the spot where John the Baptist was preaching. 
And there they huddle all around him, and they hear a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And he's in the water with animal skins drenched. He's taking people under the water briefly as he preaches repentance and promising God's forgiveness. And he's getting the people ready for something really big. He offers a a strange and vital testimony. What he's doing is preparing the way for Jesus. He's calling attention to the fact that there's one coming and he's not good enough to carry his shoes. And this is John. This is desert prophet John. Crazy John the baptizer who has the whole world coming to him. Even Pharisees and Sadducees, two religious parties who are opposite in their understanding of Jewish faith. And they're all out there listening to him. And it is fascinating to me that we're reading a story that has Sadducees and Pharisees and all of Judea and Jerusalem going out. And here you are and I, here we are sitting together, we're listening to John the Baptist again. It's kind of amazing. If we're getting ready for Jesus again like we do every Advent then it would seem helpful to turn to someone in Jesus' day who was getting people ready for his coming. That's why we're doing this on, that's why we're reading about John the baptizer. But here's the rub. This this story of ours runs counter to the world we live in. The consumer world of Amazon and online shopping and holiday cheer are replacing the church calendar with a secular society of buying. And all of us are caught up in that in some, some way or another. Christmas has been reduced to twinkling Christmas lights and holiday music and looking at all the stuff to buy, all of which hopes to bring about some sort of magical childlike wonder and goodwill. Not the promises of God, but we focus on our longings and maybe just surviving the season. There was a time when my mother, uh, in her later years, said to Georgia, you know, if I could just close my eyes and glide through the season and sleep through it all, I think I'd choose to do that. And some of us can understand that. If we just get through the season. How different is the preparation of John the Baptist? The promises of God are coming to be fulfilled And it should move people like you and me to examine ourselves, just as these people are doing in their worship service, to be still and quiet. They don't have packages all gathered around them. They're doing what you are doing this morning. They're in a place of worship, and their their eyes are closed, and their eyes are open, and they're wondering, what does this have to do with me? Perhaps to translate this, We should bear good fruit rather than getting overwhelmed by holiday expectations. Now, I know you might be saying, is there any way we can compromise? Because that other scene, we know what that is. In the middle of Target or Walmart or somewhere with packages. And then we also look like this, because that's what we look like on a Sunday morning. Though John makes no compromise, perhaps you and I can, can somehow push 
Christmas craziness aside, just for a few moments here in our worship center and listen to John. John the Baptist offers strange and vital testimony important for Medelec just now. Perhaps we can listen to parts of his message and try to make sense of what this has for us. For example, he makes clear that he is about repentance. He says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, if you read through the Gospel of Mark, you'll find this is the theme of the first sermons Jesus ever gave. This very message. And obviously, this kingdom of God, this kingdom of heaven, is a big deal. It's at hand. It's somewhere around here. And you might be sitting here thinking, I've never experienced that. Yes, you have. Because every Sunday morning, we gather in this place, and we pray for all these people. And frequently, just as we heard this morning, we hear different ones celebrating, saying, I'm grateful to God for that this has happened. We've prayed. You know, we've prayed in recent days. You've said that. Those those have been on the words of your mouths. And we've heard that God has been answering prayer. You are moved as a congregation to come and believe in your hearts that there is an infinite and personal God who cares about the prayers that we pray as a congregation. And you are exactly right. And if that's not the kingdom of God present in your life, I don't know what is. But there are other realities in our lives. There are things in your past that you have done for which you are deeply ashamed. And maybe only you know about it. And somehow in this place, God has come to you and said, My child, I love you. I forgive you. And I want to wipe that memory from your past. That may not be possible, but no, my steadfast love endures always for you. I love you and accept you as a child of God. And for you, the words, in Jesus' name, your sins are forgiven. That's not just a phrase that preachers say and worship leaders say. That has meaning for you. It, it shapes your life. It gives you grace. And an inner joy to know that God knows your past and accepts you and loves you. There's the kingdom of God. There's the kingdom of heaven at work in your life. But that's not all. As a people, you know that you are loved. You are seated, you're seated beside people that love you. You have parents that love you or grandparents that have loved you and embraced you who have prayed for you, some are praying for you still, who care deeply for you. You love one another. That love is the kingdom of heaven at work in our lives. That's how you know the the kingdom of God. You know because you're loved. You know because you're forgiven. You know because you're not left alone. There is a God in whom you have a relationship and you are praying. It may not be perfect. It may not be all together. But it's there. It's at work. So when John the Baptist says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You've known what that is. 
You are embraced by that kingdom. It has shown up in your life. I read recently this line, if God loves me enough to welcome me into Christ's family, then God loves me enough to expect something of me. God's expecting something of every one of us here. God's expecting something of the Meadow Lake Church family right now. So what is it that moves you and me to get responsible it is the kingdom of heaven working on us. Isn't it, isn't it time that you and I get responsible in a new way, in a fresh way, with the God who claims us in Jesus Christ? This is how John is preparing the way of the Lord. By helping us remember this kingdom and hearing that John is calling us, change your mind, change your ways, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's not just around you're in it. You're here. First, he is about repentance. And then secondly, he's about bear fruit worthy of repentance. You see, if God claims us as God's own, if we really belong to God, we may want to consider what being God's person does. And... and when I begin to realize that my parents have been loving me all the days, all the years that, we've, that they've been alive, when I realize the people in my life right now, my wonderful wife who has truly loved me, when I begin to get some notion of the love that I feel from my children and from my family and friends and from you, that I am truly a precious child of God, I understand I have a responsibility as an adult as a husband, as a father, as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, as a pastor. Now, others can look at me all day long and be critical. And often that's, that's what we do with our pastors. That's what all of us do with pastors. And their judgments never help any pastors. But what affects you and me the most is realizing the love that is in our lives and wanting to be responsible as others have been for us. And people have been responsible for us. And we've tried to be responsible, and sometimes being responsible seems so hard, and we fail in our efforts at being faithful Christians, don't we? We fail. Every one of us here have failed. And some days we think it's impossible to be faithful believers. And some days we think it just doesn't matter anymore. It just doesn't matter. William Mule, a, a preacher I do not know, but a, a, about whom I read, he tells this Advent story. One December afternoon, a group of parents stood in the lobby of a nursery school, not unlike our atrium out here, waiting to claim their children after the, the last pre-Christmas class session. And as the children ran for their lockers, each one carried in his hand the surprise that he or she had made. And the brightly wrapped package on which he'd been working diligently for weeks was there and, and was treasured. And one small boy trying to run put on his coat and at the same time waved to his parents. He slipped and fell. And the surprise fell from his hands and landed on the floor. And inside the wrapping broke into pieces. And everyone could hear it. And the little boy began to cry inconsolably. 
And his father, trying to minimize the incident and comfort his boy, patted his head and said, no, that's all right, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But the boy's mother, somewhat wiser in such situations, swept him up into her arms and said, oh, but it does matter. It matters a great deal. And she wept with her son. You see, when we break things, when we, when we do not complete things that we're trying to build and create for God, when we are tempted to give up on things we try to, we try to do, it is important to know that God acts like this mother and looks like this mother. More often than we know, God has arms around us and is in tears, hoping that you and I will not give up but wants us to keep trying to do the Christian thing, to bear fruit worthy of God. And if we get this at all, we know John is preparing the way of the Lord. And so there's repentance, and there's bear fruit worthy of of repentance, and there's also do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor. If we believe we're precious children of God, then we cannot cling to the reality that we're just on the inside. You see, this speaks of entitlement. And these days, if you read the news at all, people talk about entitlement. And you know what entitlement is. It means because of who my family is, or because the money I have, or because of the influence that I have, I don't have to do anything. I'm an insider. I'm there. And John the Baptist is saying to these Jews, do not presume to claim Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob as your ancestors, and because of that, you don't need to listen anymore. You're entitled. You simply get to do whatever you want to do. You're one of God's chosen people. And so John the Baptist calls these Jews on their entitlement and says, don't do that. What he prepares the way for is not entitlement, but a Savior who comes along and says, walk with me. Listen with me. Let us listen together at what God is calling us all to do. Not entitlement, not who we are because of what's happened in the past. Walk with me now. Listen with me now. And let's learn together how to serve this world and love this world and reach out in the name of Christ. You and I are on foot following the master, the savior of the world who is teaching us how to walk and how to listen. And we are paying attention. That's what we're doing here this morning. And John is getting us to pay attention again. And if we're presuming, we are to other things. We have an attitude. Sort of like the attitude of the bumper sticker that I've mentioned before. Got Jesus? Gosh, that, that bumper sticker drives me crazy. Because there's an attitude there. It says, if we accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, then we're in. Got Jesus? Sort of like got milk? Got bread? Did you go to the store and get... The reality is that Jesus has us. It's not that we got Jesus. Jesus has us. And being claimed by Jesus means that we get to walk with him. You remember 
James and John came to Jesus and said, is it possible that we can sit on your right and left hand? Jesus said, I don't think that's my right to offer, but you have the privilege of drinking the cup that I will drink. And he meant they would die because they knew him and believed he had been risen from the dead. Tradition holds that they were. They did walk the journey with Jesus, and after he died and was raised, James and John and all the others endured martyrs' deaths because of their belief and their faith in this gospel and this good news. This is how John is preparing the way of the Lord. He's teaching us to follow him and pay attention. And you see, all of this matters. It all matters. Stepping towards this God who is, who is stooping down to hold us with arms around us. This God understands you and me. This God of ours knows the Savior of the world is present and wants our attention. He loves us and he's given his life for us. This morning, we will sing an Advent song. Thanks be to God for Verna and this praise band because they have been working on a, a praise song, I mean an Advent song that is in our hymn books and many of us may not know it. Prepare the way, O Zion. And one verse says, fling wide your gates, O Zion, your Savior's rule embrace, and tidings of salvation proclaim in every face. All lands will bow rejoicing, their adoration voicing, O blessed is Christ that came in God's most holy name. You see, we want to open ourselves to whatever it is God has in our future. As individuals, we want to open our hearts and minds so that God may prepare us for this new pastor that's going to be coming one of these days. So that this church can be the, the, the church of Jesus Christ. This pastor will not be the Savior, the Messiah. Don't dare ever believe that. Because you have an important role in living out the, the ministry of Jesus Christ in this place. Don't ever put all your hopes and grant me, because of who this pastor nominating committee is, you're going to have one excellent pastor someday. In the meantime, it is your and my place to walk with Jesus and to listen to him. That's how John the Baptist is preparing the way for us. And so this morning, he says to us, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. He says, bear fruit worthy of repentance. And he says, don't presume to tell yourselves, my family has been involved in the church for years. As great as that is, what matters is where you and I are before Jesus. That's what matters. This morning even more real than those folks out preparing Interstate 77, God is preparing a way in the, in the midst of this church, and by midst I mean your heart and your mind and your soul and your life. God has great things for this church to do. And the Spirit keeps telling us, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, bear fruit worthy of repentance, and do not presume to be entitled Instead, walk with your Savior and listen to him. There are great things in store. Let us pray.